0: Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here. So looking forward to sharing this information with you today. If you're an Upland hunter, you, uh, well, what do I say? Your life list includes South Dakota. I'm going to share some of my experiences, some of the places I go, some of the things I look for when I am hunting in, well, the place that was the beginning of the pheasant hunting phenomenon that we have experienced for just about a hundred years so stick around for that among other things we're going to have all sorts of bird hunting fun around here our road trip this week well besides all the information on south dakota we'll cover some sharptail spots in nebraska one of those states that uh, Kind of a sleeper, but if you're a Sharpie fan, you know a little bit about it. I'm going to give you three places to go if you are interested. And uh, then we'll find out how unprepared you are for the season in the Upland Nation Index, that newsletter survey that I conduct. Uh, Yeah, you'll be surprised at how many people aren't quite ready yet. Well, it's all made possible by Sage and Breaker gun care products, Pointer shotguns, Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School, TruLock choke tubes, MidwayUSA.com, Purina's Pro and Sport, and High Viz shooting systems. Yeah, well, whatever I've done in the past, uh, one of the things I cannot take any pride in is the accuracy of my shooting. As you well know, I might be the the worst shooter on television, uh, but I'm still working on it, as you know, taking lessons and practicing a lot. Right now, if I tell you about it, maybe I'll even do it more, and that is... Less gun movement and more eye movement. Focusing more with the eyes, but not swinging the gun quite as much. That's kind of where I've narrowed it down. You know, you go to the range, you swing around, and you look where the target's going to come from. That's too much swing around, So, at least for me. Maybe you have a different shooting problem. I've got many. That's the one that's highest priority right now. Seems to be working. You know, you move your gun too much, uh, there's so many variables. It's just hard to hit flying targets. That's what I'm up to. You, you are shopping. Yeah, everybody's got something on their list. I asked recently in the uh, newsletter, what new piece of gear is your highest priority for this hunting season? Top of the list, 24% of you said new boots. Well, I hope you've got them (laughs) coming because you got to break them in first. Second on the list, 20% of you are still looking for a new shotgun. i got some recommendations for that coming down the pike here at the Upland Nation podcast. Some new clothes, a new hunting vest, an e-collar or GPS collar. 12% of you are still in the market. It's a, you know, I know. We're always looking for better stuff, and that might be the reason for this. But, um, you know, good luck on your shopping experience. Hope you find what you need, where you need it, and uh, in the case of the boots, yeah, start wearing them to work. Somebody's got to get them broke in. We're brought to you in part by Purina ProPlansport.com. Yeah, yeah, go to ProPlansport.com and learn more about the nutritional Science behind this incredible dog food. You know, they've been in the the business of feeding athletic dogs for a long dang time. They figured out that the important stuff includes omega-3 fatty acids and glucosamine. Yeah, Flick is now six. So that's really helping out with his joint health and mobility. Uh, I think it has, much like for us, I think it has a, a, a lot to do with not only... The long-term functioning of a joint but also with uh, pain relief if you want to call it that and then all sorts of other things in there including DHA which helps nourish brain and vision health yeah a dog could sure use that in the field Proplan sport 30 20 yeah, 30% protein protein 20% uh, fat Made for all life stages. Support your hunting dog from puppyhood through their senior years. Learn more at ProPlansport.com Hey, and here's something new from MidwayUSA.com I wonder if I can get this too. Uh, Sign up for the emails or their text notifications and you'll get 10% off your next order. Yeah, and they've always got something new coming down the pike. So take a look at MidwayUSA.com. Every page has an offer for you to sign up for their email or text notifications. It's worth 10%. And that's on top of the incredible customer service and their guarantee of satisfaction. It's all right there at MidwayUSA.com. Well, you know it. One of my favorite places. I love going there. In fact, one of my regrets is this is the first season in a long time I am not going to South Dakota. This is all I get for it, so bear with me as I share some advice, some places to go, and then some stories from my own South Dakota experiences, starting with one, well, in a place I'd never been before. It's a small town, and it's, oh, let's call it uh, 20 to 30 miles away from another medium-sized town called Huron, which is kind of sort of my de facto headquarters. Anyway, this town is surrounded as well by uh, smaller uh, public access opportunities. And it was so windy that day, nobody was out there, and that was the best part about it. I found a spot that was kind of low-lying to begin with, and then it was surrounded by a dike. So I, I think in, at one point it was holding water. Now all it held was some wet ground and, uh, and a puddle here or there, but it, the dike broke the wind. So I ran Manny into that. Uh, this a few years ago. Ran Manny into that spot, uh, hoping that maybe with a little bit less wind he might be able to get a vector on a bird or two, which son of a gun in the cattails at the bottom of that um, I don't know what to call it, a pond for lack of a better term he slams a point and I finally find him in the cattails you know that's not as easy as it sounds and and boom, boom both birds drop I send Manny for the retrieve my phone rings it's my wife what are you doing? Well, I'm looking for two dead birds. (laughs) That's kind of the bonus aspect of South Dakota. You never know where you're going to find them. You never know when you're going to be able to make somebody else jealous. It worked for us, and uh, it'll probably work for you. Do not be uh, uh, deterred by the weather there. Yeah, it can get weird. It can get bad. It can get great. I've had just about everything. Last year when I was there, it was, I mean, record high temperatures but that's the first lesson most of the time you're not going to get that ideal hunt or ideal hunting conditions like they talk about in the magazines or on TV yeah you'll get your blue sky and your dogs will do great and yeah there's a lot of easy walking unless you're battling those (laughs) cattails or that head-high CRP but there's a lot of reasons working against you, and they include that weather. Some fields are crowded if you're in a in or near a very popular pheasant place. Uh, they're not telling you how many birds they estimate are in the population anymore, so you're taking a little bit of potluck. And their, their licensing schemes, are uh, uh, they take a little bit of figure it out, but it's all worthwhile South Dakota is still the best state to visit if you want a decent pheasant hunting experience. So overcome all that inconvenience and persevere. It is worth the effort. Now, I was lucky enough uh, years ago, we made a couple episodes uh, on the ground Where ringnecks were introduced successfully to the United States. That was Redfield, South Dakota. Um, The ground itself wasn't all that impressive, but the hunting was, and we were very lucky in in many ways. Uh, Oh, yeah, on the exact spot I missed but I got lots of good shooting in a lot of other places. And I thank you all in Redfield for your hospitality. We had a great time. In fact, it was funny when we showed up uh, to make the show, uh, the crew and I were uh, escorted into the, uh, the big event center. And there was a high school girls volleyball, uh, uh, volleyball? Yeah, it must have been volleyball, uh, tournament going on. We got to watch that for a while. Always fun to watch. And then they introduced us. You're very kind, Redfield. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, everybody who uh, hosted us in Redfield. Anyway, that's just one of the places. But let's do this. Let's take out the map. Yeah, I know pheasants are the priority, but there's a lot of other things going on in South Dakota. Pull out the map. We're going to visit the state and travel from left to right, from west to east. Now, here is where I am going in South Dakota, but I'm not hunting. The Black Hills. Most people don't. I know some turkey hunters who go out there, and they have a great time, uh, but there are some rough grouse in the Black Hills. It's kind of a miniature Yellowstone. That's how I describe it to a lot of people. It's it's isolated. It's a freestanding little mountain range. Uh, But if you're going to be in Mount Rushmore doing the roadside attractions, uh, crazy horse, all of that, you could take a half day and tromp the woods looking for roughies. Yeah, there's some national forest ground. There's some state ground. The usual habitats are worth a look. Timber cuts, if you can find them. There's a few aspen stands in the region worth exploring. And it sure beats yet another day. Gaming, as they call it in South Dakota, in Deadwood, which is kind of fun in itself. I mean, don't bypass Deadwood. I mean, you can't. (laughs) So uh, check it out. Uh, If you go north from the Black Hills, pretty soon you'll probably end up uh, uh, out of the hills. But uh, there aren't many prairie birds in that country. Uh, There are some rolling hills and forested tracks, some public land available. The numbers of grouse are low, head east instead. Uh, From there, uh, the Hun numbers are stronger near the Grand River National Grassland. That's near Lemon in northwest South Dakota. Lemon, of course, is one of those places on everybody's list for ringnecks as well. And you'd be surprised how many other places will hold Sharpies and ringnecks. And we'll be talking about those in a few minutes, too, uh, up and down the Missouri River. Yeah, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host and your guide this week as we travel across South Dakota from west to east. If you live there or you hang out there enough, you know there's a few terms to learn. West River is one of them, and it's what it is. West of the Missouri River. Yeah, if you're driving one of the major highways, you're, you're looking at cows, you're looking at Indian reservations, and a lot of billboards for walled drug. But as you approach the Missouri, your hunting prospects get better north of pier which is the state capital is lake oahe o-a-h-e can't miss it it's the big blue blotch right between the shores of the lake and the cheyenne indian reservation is a slice of core of engineers land that looks a lot like the rest of the state but it's public you got to work at it you got to work at it a lot of times But the breaks that roll down to the river, those draws that, you know, kind of bisect the river's course, drop down into the river, those are often hiding places for pheasants and sharptails. It's hard to get to, but it's worth the effort. In fact, I'll never forget, we were going somewhere else, but I had to stop. Because Flick wanted to stop, you know, he makes that noise, and then we have to stop. And he gets out, starts stretching his legs. We are at one side of the river, about ready to cross. And there's a there's a uh, you know, hydropower f- uh, f- uh, facility, uh, probably a diversion for irrigation, maybe f- for that matter too. And then that long dike. Most of those rivers are dammed, but they're dammed by. Earthen dams that look more like dikes, and they always have the highway on the top of it. So we're walking back and forth, and part of it is fenced so you don't go in and do something stupid to the uh, facility. But if you walk far enough down, it's just like a lot of South Dakota rolling hills and lots of brushy gullies full of sharp tails. Now you got to be careful. You know, if you're near a federal facility, you got to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time so don't you don't make anybody mad. Worth a look. All those little pockets are worth a look. And while you're in that country, kind of north of Pierre, take a look at Perkins County. It's a sharptail hot spot as well. Now, south of Pierre is where the real fun begins. I've been all over the Fort Pier National Grasslands. i probably talked about it a lot. It's a vast sea of grass full of gullies, ponds, and checkerboard effect, if you will, of square miles of private ground in there as well. So you want to be careful about that. Bring your good maps and know where you stand little, literally whenever you're there. But I was lucky enough to go there first as a guest of the governor, for a hunt he was doing, and so the day before that hunt, we got to uh, explore a little bit with some of his staff, and uh, that's where we went, and uh, boy, what an introduction to the Fort Pier National Grasslands. We saw prairie chickens. We saw sharptails. Buddy was ankle deep in the little pond edge in the cattails, pointed a ring neck that we both shot. Yeah, a water retrieve in south dakota it was incredible and then the fattest white tail buck i've ever seen jiggled out of another low spot with some old cottonwood trees it was you know it was right out of a brochure you can do it too if you're willing to walk i mean there's a lot of ground there and there's a lot of water sources too and believe it or not that's where a lot of the um well there's even some waterfowl there but that's another story Um, look for water sources, look for access up and down Highway 83 north, I mean sorry, east and west of Highway 83, you could take potluck on the entry points and find birds. Now most of my stories from the grasslands include sharptails and chickens. Yeah, I've seen pheasants, I've shot a couple pheasants as I said, but most of the time Unless you're really lucky, <laughs> based on my discussions with other people. It's a it's a grouse kind of a hunt. We were on horseback once. Well, more than once. But this particular time, um, having a heck of a time finding birds. But eventually, uh, Bob's setters started finding uh, scent. And Bob's horses are so well-trained, and maybe you saw one of these episodes, that um, when the bird, when the dogs go on point, um, the horses stop already. And, in fact, you can, uh, I, I think the horse people call it ground-tie them. You just drop the reins, and they'll pretty much stay where they are. Um, and we'll go up on the pointed do- uh, birds. And w- this day, every single bird I shot was a prairie chicken. And I'm a little colorblind, so, you know, it's, it's hard for me to know which is which. The limit is the same. You can shoot three of either or three of a mixed bag, but that's the limit on grouse uh, in South Dakota. Wow. It was incredible. Incredible. Mainly because those were the first chickens I shot. Also, though, because I was hunting from nine feet high in the air, thanks to the horse. And no, I did not fall off. More than once or twice. No, I did not. No. But it was an, it's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I'm lucky enough. I've been able to do that five or eight times. I don't remember now in various places. But try it if you can. Uh, one time, though, we were in the wrong place the wrong time. We had a, a setter pointing and a setter backing, but we had it figured out wrong. We were just the reverse. We're walking up on the dog that's backing that's how far apart they are um but the horse walked up on the other dog yeah a flushing uh a a flushing tennessee walker yeah that's what i guess that's what i'll call it uh we didn't get a shot on that safety first and all that stuff but uh but it was still kind of fun now east of Highway 83 along Interstate 90 is where the pheasant hunting hotbeds are congregated. Presho, Vivian, farther south in that area, Winter and Gregory. Now they all have a lot of private ground and a lot of uh, uh, privatized hunting operations. And there's some great ones out there. And then they have a lot of public access ground as well. So if you're looking at the map and you're going east on Interstate 90, uh, look around that area and see what kind of public access ground they have. Because it's so intensively farmed, there's less Sharptail and chicken territory, but there is still some. And anywhere agriculture is open or you're on public ground next to agriculture, you might find some fat ringnecks. All right, uh, east of the river. This is where it all happens. This is ground zero. Across the mighty Missouri, you're in the heart of pheasant country. The closer to the river you are, the better your shot at sharp tails. The farther you get, and it becomes a ringneck game. You can follow highway 281 north and south and uh, there is a bunch of public access up and down that highway little towns that you've read about or or you've seen their ads whatever Chamberlain, Wolsey, Huron which by the way has the world's largest pheasant statue always worth a picture Mitchell take a picture of the corn palace while you're there they got a pretty good craft brewer too out in that country, it's all about ag, corn, and soybeans. There is some grassy prairie. There is some CRP, and there's some water. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. There is some water that's worth your attention. In fact, you can concentrate on that kind of the southeast corner of the state, and you'll find birds in any number. Of, uh, the, your, your odds are best there. I mentioned water. Well, if you're looking for your bu- bucket list hunt, find public ground or private ground that's open to public along the James River. It's a very well-managed waterway. They're doing all sorts of things to improve the habitat. Some wonderful projects going on. And while, you know, most scientists will tell you the pheasants don't need water, they seem to congregate around it. And I've seen them on, you know, grassy fields going right down to the water i've seen them in the tangle of old cottonwood groves on the other side and everywhere in between i pushed them out of what amounts to irrigation ditches and i think that for some reason once in a while they do come to water we were at one spot on the river where it was almost like a golf course fairway on our side, but it dropped. It was as if somebody had cut off the ground and it dropped precipitously like a cliff down to the river. But in the low spots where the Buffalo had years ago, centuries ago, probably created low spots from wallowing in there. Um, Two Labradors we were working with. By the way, there was three altogether, a brown, a yellow, and a black. What do you call a matched trio? Yeah. Anyway, they bumped a a couple ringnecks out of those low spots, and one of them was was really fun. We got this on camera, too. Uh, We watched that bird fly up and then head straight across the river and you've probably seen this I I see it happen all the time I don't care what kind of birds they are they always want to get across the water I get it most predators can't fly or swim okay so it's flying across the water and we both take a shot and that bird drops rag dead in the middle of the James River now it may as well be a pond it doesn't move very fast but before we could even Look for the dogs. They were down the cliff and in the water. All three of them. The young brown dog didn't quite make it. He was outswum, outswammed, outswimmed by the older dogs. But they all three got a piece of it as they paddled their way back. The yellow one made the climb with the bird in its in her mouth. But uh, that was fun. You never know where you're going to find those birds. On that side they're everywhere or nowhere yeah I've had days like that too and if you're having one of those maybe it's time to drive northeast yeah there's plenty up there and in fact lots of places that I would love to spend more time on as you get closer to Minnesota and North Dakota I like Watertown and Aberdeen as jumping off points for public access ground in Northeast South Dakota. Had some wonderful times in both. Aberdeen, um, we did some shows there. We've never done a show in Watertown, but uh, we've had some great times. Yeah, they <laughs> aptly named Watertown. It's got it, you know, that's kind of the, the beginning of the lake region. You know, they call Minnesota the land of a thousand lakes. It's probably closer to 10,000, but some of them are actually closer to Watertown. And when some of the bigger parcels of public access are, are already taken, uh, poke around, see what you can find. I found a little pond... Uh, South of town, a little ways that nobody wanted to bother with. It was probably a five acre pond and it was surrounded by cattails with a few old craggy cottonwoods uh, here and there. Had a great time there until the caller says, Manny's on point in those cattails. So I, you know, battle my way through the cattails and I'm looking at that handheld controller and it says, you know, he's right there and I'm looking I still can't see him I have to part put the gun down and part the cattails to see him and he is on point but it's a funny point and you you know they look at you they side-eye you um, their foot may be up but it's kind of relaxed the tail might be moving this is not a bird I part the cattails cat a little bit to his, to my left it's a raccoon, and he is basically pointing my dog. So we got a Mexican stand up, standoff going on there. And I can see nothing but downsides to this one. So I step in between. That was probably not the smartest thing to do, but at the moment that's what I thought I should do, is get between them. Maybe they'll just, and they did. They went their separate ways. Manny stood back a few feet. The raccoon waddled away in the other direction, and and I put him on that traffic lead, and we walked out of there as fast as we could. Yeah, the good news is I did shoot a bird on the other side of that pond and got another South Dakota water retrieve. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for your hospitality, Watertown. And Casey in Aberdeen, you guys, you're the bomb. Thanks so much for having me so many times. Yeah, if you're playing a numbers game in South Dakota, uh, here are my picks. You want to ensure access and possibly high bird numbers. My list includes Huron, Aberdeen, Mitchell, and Brookings. Now, if you're after sharp Sharptails, it's a different story. Marshall, Day, and Grant Counties in the northeast part of the state. Should be on your radar as well. Yeah, we're, um, wow, we're rolling here. Uh, in our adventures across the state of South Dakota, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Uh, solo turn today. I thought it would be fun to share this as we get ready for the season and maybe your visits to South Dakota. Um, now we're in the future. We got more coming up, including a look at Nebraska's sharptail hotspots. It's all coming up right after this. Highvizsites.com is where you see what you've been missing. Yeah, that's their line and it's absolutely true. I'm using my new HiViz sites to advantage. I don't care how you shoot, knowing where your muzzle is is helpful. You don't want to focus on it but you want to know it's there. You want to learn more about why. Take a look at a video I produced on this subject. And take a look at how easy it is to install these HiViz Sights. Most of them will install with just a magnet on your, on your, um, your muzzle, your gun barrel, um, your rib. Hi, H-I-Viz, V-I-Z, Sights, S-I-G-H-T-S, HiVizSights.com. There's a reason they're installed as original equipment on Ruger's, Smith & Wesson's, Benelli's, Browning's, and Remington's. Learn why at highvizsites.com. And hey, if you haven't heard about it yet and you're still shopping for one, <coughs> pardon me, take a look at the youth over and under guns at pointershotguns.com 7 year warranty now a youth gun in the over and under world and you can get it with case coloring you can get it with the Saracote finish and some even in the nickel plated receiver version. Learn more about them and find a nearby retailer at PointerShotguns.com Continuing our South Dakota adventure um, I've hit on the spots that I like probably will mention a few more You can't go wrong you can throw a rock in any direction you'll probably hit a game bird but if you throw it into the right spot your chances grow so the need is to narrow down your choices and uh, so let's talk about prime habitat that's the first thing to look at when you get to South Dakota and you're looking for public access I like agriculture for pheasants it's the golden ticket in my book. So if you can find uh, anything in their public access program that is next to, or sometimes even includes, corn or so- soybeans, it, it's a no-brainer. Quite often it's right next to it, and it's, uh, you're, you're kept away from it both by the rules and by a <laughs> barbed wire fence but I found birds along that fence line or trading back and forth depending on the time of day they could be deep into CRP for example during the day and then going back in to the crops to feed or vice versa so take a look along there in fact I remember once we were just we were just stopping on the way to somewhere else, and I, I got out, parked in one of those little squares. They're pretty well marked. That's where you park. Then you can go hunting on the public stuff. But along the public stuff in this case, which was just a you know, a sea of knee-high grass, there was standing corn. So I'm walking. Manny's walking. I think it was Manny. Uh, all of a sudden, he goes on point. And he's not 50 yards from the fence it's i don't have a gun we were just there to take a leak uh i get up on him and there goes a sharp tail and where's it go it went into the corn i think that happens more often than we we ever know so don't neglect the borders if you want to call them that that's an easy i'll tell you i got a great tip from a biologist a while back if you're looking at you know property lines on the map and and you're looking to get next to agriculture when you're hunting public access on the map look for straight lines if you're looking at a public access plot and there is one straight line somewhere almost guaranteed to find crops on the other side of that line can't find that And for cattails in the country that has them. Um, For a bunch of reasons. Uh, There's shade. There's moisture, which means bugs if they need them. There's moisture, which means cooler. All those things are important early in the season. They're a challenge to hunt. I think a little cocker spaniel is the right way to do it. Last year in our Fur Feathers Friends thing, we we got a point from uh, Flick right on the edge of the cattails. They were so thick, when I sent him in for the retrieve, he bounced off over and over again. Ended up having to crawl myself through the more open part down below. But here's another hint. Uh, This is one I've I've not talked about, I don't think. If you find a patch of cattails, and you can, just like a bit of standing corn send some blockers around it because a lot of times you go in you're pushing that somehow or you got a dog on point you're walking in to fly the bird those birds are sneaking out the other end if you got somebody over there maybe they'll get a shot and in that country there are shelter belts watch for them take a look same things protection from avian predators uh protection from wind cold snow all the above and i will never forget the time we were walking through one of those a big old one and a covey of sharp tails came out from underneath it i've seen them roosted in trees in wyoming before but that was the first time in south dakota Now let's switch gears and talk more about Sharpies, pure prairie birds most of the time. But that doesn't mean just pancake flat grassland. That grass has to have certain attributes. The first thing is it's gotta be a little bit taller than you might think. Uh, Long enough to bend in the wind is how one biologist described it to me. I think that's about knee high. Watch for that. Any shorter than that and you're in Hun country. And in South Dakota, that's, uh, the, that is That is a long shot. Pardon a pun. If you can find buffalo berry, all the better. It could be a patch on a slope over here. Or it could be a, a, a cluster of uh, uh, buffalo berry bushes at the bottom of a gully. Those are the places where birds will hang out. Same reasons. Shade, protection from overhead predators, etc. Most of the time you'll find sharptails on the tops of those hills. They like to have a sentinel bird up there. Maybe more than one. Lots of eyes. means safety. So if you're looking for sharptails the first place to look is the high stuff. Lots of fun with that by the way. Um, Took a Good friend from North Carolina to uh, Sharptail Country once. He was walking the bottom of the hill. We had three guys arrayed up the hill. And one guy at the top who pushed one bird, missed with both barrels. So did everybody else down the hill until Joe wondered what all the noise was over, put his gun up and dropped that bird dead. First sharptail for Joe. Congratulations, Joe. Welcome to the West. You know, sharptails, more than any other bird, are affected by heat and sun. So early in the season, you could also seek out shade. It could be anything. (laughs) It could be trees, brush. I've flushed birds out of, you know, shin high snowberry patches even the gully wall that is creating shade is worth a look excuse me now in the late season they're not even worth pursuing the birds will combine into such large groups it's hard to put a sneak on them too many eyes watching out for danger And here is the secret ingredient. Grasshoppers. Yeah, I know. The chicks will eat bugs early on in their life, but sharptails will eat bugs whenever they can find them. And grasshoppers are like filet mignon to a sharptail. Where are you going to find them in sharptail country? Mainly around alfalfa not because the birds eat alfalfa but because the grasshoppers eat it. Even that old stuff that hasn't been uh, watered, rained on, or used in decades, there's still some old craggly pieces hanging on. I've seen those stripped clean by grasshoppers. So find grasshoppers, find sharptails. Okay, listening to the Upland Nation podcast, I'm Scott Linden, uh, uh, taking you on my, <clears throat> what I'll call the, the Grand Tour of South Dakota. We're now um, east of the Missouri River, tributary to the Mississippi, a mighty, in fact, they call it the Mighty Mo. sometimes. It's a big river, and some of those impoundments are massive. Lake Oahi being one of them. Yeah, like I said, you will find huns, but not very often. The shorter stuff than the grass that holds sharpies and chickens. Find them closer to agricultural areas. I found them many times in uh, the middle of a cut field. Quite often it's wheat. But, um, but in South Dakota, it's, it's something else. Beans are a good example. If there's shelter belts or woodlots, old buildings, old machinery, yeah, worth a look. Just not worth a whole lot of extra effort. Prairie chickens, a little bit different. Go to Sharptail Country, you might find chickens some I've never done I've never seen it I've never seen sharpies and chickens get up together but they've been close a few times so if that's a bucket list bird for you go to good sharptail country the fort pier national grasslands for example that's where I've shot the most chickens on any given trip let's talk strategy now if you want to bag pheasants in your solo or in a small group bring a flushing dog. If I lived in South Dakota, I would just own Cocker Spaniels and Labradors. If you've ever hunted running pheasants with a pointing dog, you know what that does to you and more importantly what it does to your dog. Not very many good things come from that. You can get lucky once in a while. I've had it happen. I've had birds wild flush out of cattails and land in in, you know, grass. And they'll hunker for a while there and have had some great dog work. I remember last season, Flick did something incredible. He came out of that cattail fluff, yeah, wearing a lot of it. Slammed a point not 30 yards outside of it in this, tall, you know, pretty tall grass. Um, I, I almost discounted his nose in that one until um, he would not move. He was rock solid. And neither was the bird. The bird was the bird was rock solid for a chain. So it does happen. But the best way to do this is with a lot of hunters, some marching, some blocking, in, you know, big stands of, of corn, cut corn, or even CRP. The more, the merrier is a way to get a lot of birds. I'm not saying you can't do it with pointers, and I love doing it, and that's all we did last time we were there. Still had a lot of fun. You just you just see a lot of birds flying away in the distance. They'll run, and they'll run. Oh, and then they'll run. A boisterous lab or a spaniel will get them up before they can run too far, and somebody will get a shot. Here's a trick I learned in another state, but I've, I've used it ever since. You're hunting whatever you're hunting. And you got the feeling there's a bird in there. Your dog's birdie, but he's not pointing. He's ground tracking. His tail is just going a mile a minute. Send one of the few guys you have around and up further, 20, 30, 40, even 50 yards ahead, to serve as a temporary blocker. He can go back and forth, kind of across the grain, if you will. Make some noise so the bird realizes there's somebody up ahead as well. We've gotten some great dog work and some good shots. Just be very careful. Just like on a driven hunt. I mean, just like on a block and drive hunt. Shoot high birds only. Safety first. done the same thing on shelter belts if you find one and you can walk it put a blocker on the other end yeah it does pay off once, except when you flush a, a giant owl I think it was a great horned owl I'm not sure, I'm not an owl person but it was so big it actually blocked out the sun when it flushed in front of me so uh, hold your shots. <laughs> don't don't shoot any owls. All right, uh, South Dakota. If you couldn't tell by now, I spend a lot of time there, and I'm grateful for it. And and um, if you're headed that way, uh, hoping this is helping you as well, um, let me um, let me talk a little bit more about strategy, um, especially with uh, let's see. Uh, let, let's go to sharp tails for a little bit. They're, they are constantly scouting their surroundings. They like those high spots. Uh, so uh, if you can figure out where birds might be on a particular high spot, uh, put a pincher movement on them. Spread out around that knob and get some people coming in from various directions. Someone might get a shot. Look for the shade. Do the same thing. Told you about hunting the edges of crop fields, if you can find it. Walk a little bit farther. The odds are good. Nobody else did. You'll have a better chance at anything you're chasing. Now, both the chickens and the Sharpies will hold pretty good for a pointing dog. Especially a big running pointing dog that will cover the mileage that uh, that you need to find the scattered coveys or the singles afterwards. Um, just make sure he's steady enough to hold those birds until you get there. I would, uh, I would look at South Dakota sharptails as a September and really early October hunt. Otherwise, they're just ganged up and it's not worth the effort. Here's a few more hints for you. Sharptails, uh, maybe they're Hybridizing with ringnecks. I've hunted lots of uh, taller cover mostly, where, you know, two or three of us and two or three dogs will be working that cover and we'll, you know, cover it pretty well. Get to the end of it. And just because you had that funny feeling, do an about face and walk right back through it in the other direction. Those birds are starting to skulk around and, you know, hide off to the side and get right behind you just like a ringneck. so if it looks good consider going back through it one more time quite often those grouse are watching your north end as you trudge south so give them another try the prairie chicken thing i've never done it i don't actually know anybody i've read about it but some folks will um Hunker down in roadside ditches and and um, basically shoot uh, shoot the prairie chickens as they're trading from uh, night roost from feeding cover to night roost or vice versa depending on the time of day. Uh, they'll fly a long way. We know that science proves that. But the the key is uh, you got to be in the right place at the right time and you got to be willing to sit still. Yeah, <laughs> not my cup of tea. All right, well, um, South Dakota, like I said, has some uh, kind of funny things uh, when it comes to the regulatory scene over there, but nothing that is so discouraging that you're not going to go. We're all going to go. We can't go at the very beginning. They have a residence season for a few days before the opener for the rest of us on the third Saturday of October for ringnecks. Mid September is usually the opener for sharptails and chickens. The daily limit for ringnecks is 3, combination of grouse is 3. You can bag 5 huns a day if you can find them. And make sure that your possession limit corresponds to the number of days you've been hunting, you know, and I mean, yeah, you do. Here's the funny part about South Dakota. You buy your license in 2 5-day blocks. cost you about 120 bucks, but you specify the days. So you buy, you know, October 25th through 30th. Then you can reserve the next five days for the, the, the you know, the, the immediately following five, or later in the season, or some other way. So be careful about how you buy your license and the blocks of five days that you purchase. And you can buy more of those. So if you want to hunt all season in South Dakota, they'll be glad to take your money. Smartest thing they ever did? They quit restricting you to a noon starting time the first week of the season. Now you can start hunting at 10 a.m. Still means you got time for a hearty farmhouse breakfast at one of the local cafes. Um, Be careful when you cross a Missouri River trading back between pier and fort pier and all that the west side is in mountain time every hunting regulation is based on central time they got a great walk-in program excellent maps most of the time they are updated on your online mapping app don't neglect things like waterfowl production areas the national grasslands i've talked about you could never cover all the free public access ground in South Dakota my compliments to whoever is managing that program keep your eyes out when you're driving around too um sometimes some of the some of the smaller parcels in particular come into the program after everything is published so watch for a sign here or a sign there in one case for example i I saw a Pheasants Forever pickup truck with a flatbed behind it in a little tiny parking place that wasn't signed yet. I pulled in, shooting the breeze with the biologist who's doing some habitat work there, and he says, Yeah, it's in the program now. We just haven't been able to put the sign up yet. Chased a ringneck down a little tiny gully, got the bird in the air, and actually Manny brought that bird back to me. Yeah, take a look at everything and anything when it comes to that. Now, remember, South Dakota, among others, uh, depends to a great degree on on the hunting economy, especially in the fall, of course. We're spending millions of, do- millions of dollars chasing these birds. Mainly spending them in the usual places, motels, restaurants, taverns, gas stations. Okay, mainly the taverns and you'll feel welcome the signs are everywhere you got blaze orange you're like a distant cousin to most of the people there and that's a good thing so be a good guest spend some money locally and be clean and courteous kind obedient cheerful thrifty Brit you know all those things remember that don't forget to take your picture in front of the world's largest pheasant statue the only corn palace. And on the way over there, if you're coming from the West, stop and take a look at Mount Rushmore. I'll see you there. We have a lot more to come, including some Nebraska public ground in our road trip. It's all coming up here on the Upland Nation podcast right after this. Fred Bohm at sageandbreaker.com. You know them gun cleaning and care equipment of all sorts, including stuff to carry your gear. Fred says they're just about finished with the final design on a scoped rifle case. If you want one, you better sign up now get on the mailing list for future sales, new product notifications, and while you're there take a good look at all of their gun care products Stock up now, leave them in the truck for your South Dakota trip, even if it's to Montana. SageandBreaker.com And lay in some choke tubes as well, especially uh, especially if you want to improve your shooting. Truelockchokes.com is where you can go to school on choke tubes. T r u l o c k chokes.com trulockchokes.com and uh, over there uh, Scott Trulock tells me they've finally worked out a way to make those cheapo dove loads more effective they've modified their skeet to an improved modified choke tubes in 20 gauge by tightening the exit diameter that improves pattern density on those less expensive shells that we all use for dove hunting. Otherwise, who could afford it? Learn more about the chokes of all kinds, but particularly the dove chokes. We're right up against it there. Take a long look at (laughs) trulockchokes.com. I know, it's it's a long road trip, and, and we're still going here. Uh, this is the official road trip segment, and I'm going to talk about Sharptails in, in one of the places that I've got to get back to a little bit more often, Nebraska. In fact, I have to. I'm writing a story about it next year. If you want wild places, uh, yeah, I know it doesn't come to mind, but it can be. I've hunted sharptails out there several times, and and, and one of the places I hunt, and I'll tell you about it. We walked four days, me and Flick, and it was as desolate and wild as any place I've gone. Four days, we found a whole bunch of ponds. Every low spot in the sand hills, yeah, sand hills, which are really sand dunes with grass on them, the low spots collect water. So there's ponds everywhere. There's windmills everywhere. But in that four days, once we got off the road, the only other sign of civilization we found was one ancient, crotchety, rusty, creaky, little tiny bed spring. That's wild. Many also pointed a green heron along the edge of a pond. That was his first Nebraska point. Luckily, he didn't go in for the retrieve. No, I didn't shoot it. <laughs> I was too gobsmacked by this big bird flying up out of nowhere. Oh, and by the way, those ponds, they're just natural. They just, it's like any place else that gets a lot of water and low spots. And the sand lets that water percolate up to the surface. So I mentioned it. There's a lot of public land in kind of the sand hills region, they call it. Three of the places that I really like that are worth an effort. You probably have to camp. You can stay in a few towns nearby, but take a look at these. The Samuel McKelvey National Forest. Yeah, I know. There are some trees, but it's mainly not. It's those rolling sand they're like sand dunes with grass all over them valentine national wildlife refuge same general area and the crescent lake national wildlife area national wildlife refuge that's kind of west of the sand hills per se but right in that country beautiful country fascinating places well worth a look if you're headed that way check out the sharptail hunting in the sand hills of nebraska And the road trip is brought to you by somebody who is always helping you get ready to shoot better. Midvalleyclays.com. They've got a shooting school run by hunters. They know what works. That's why I like to pretend. No, it's not pretending. I'm shooting better thanks to the instruction from them. If you're looking for a sub-gauge gun, they are the place to go with 20s, 28s, and 410s always in stock. And as I've said before, Now's the time. The 20% of you shopping for a shotgun take up to $75 off in rebate on a Browning shotgun. Buy it before September 30th. That includes all the Satori's, the Maxis, and the BPS. So no matter your style of shooting, take a look at the rebate program for Browning shotguns at midvalleyclays.com. Well, thank you for letting me share the magic of South Dakota and a little bit of Nebraska, too, on the Upland Nation podcast. If you enjoyed it, uh, then please tell one person. That's how we grow. Yep, yeah, one person. Send a link, call them, just post something on your social, whatever. Appreciate that in advance. Also appreciate all of you who comment, whether it's on Facebook or in our uh, Upland Nation Insights newsletter. I learned something from all of you, and I learned something from all the folks who leave ratings and reviews as well. So thank you there, and it's all made possible by our kind sponsors: Sage and Breaker dot com, Pointer Shotguns dot com, Purina dot com, Mid Valley and Crewlock Chokes dot com. You can learn more about. All of these things and more at findbirdhuntingspots.com. That's where I reside when I'm not on social media or right here. I appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation Podcast.